Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your business's or restaurant's recycling program. You're tuned in to episode 180 of the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories connected to the people and place of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Today, I'm gonna share two quotes with you because today is episode 180, and they're both from well-known comedians. First one, look to the future because that is where you'll spend the rest of your life. Drum roll, George Burns. And then the next one is, everything is changing. People are, are taking their comedian seriously and the politicians as a joke. And that's by Will Rogers, written some time ago. Each of our episodes are possible through the support of sponsors, which I appreciate. And today's sponsor is Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. And do you want to be a better recycler? Well, there is an app for that called the Recycle Coach app, now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. Additional support comes from the Jackson Hole Wine Club. We are making the experience of exploring new wines as easy as taking a sip. Visit jacksonholewineclub.com to learn more and ask questions. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection, the place and space I share stories with you. It's not my story, it's my guest's story. So I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day and tuning in and sharing these stories with yourself and with others. When you finish listening to today's podcast, though, get out there and give us some feedback on Facebook, Instagram, send us an email to connect at jacksonholeconnection.com. We love to hear from people because this podcast is about sharing. We all have a story to share. It's a little chapter in our life, and we can get out there and connect with other people by sharing stories. My guest today is Ryan Stolp. He's a guy who likes to really, really experience the outdoors. He's also the co-founder of Origin Media and the guy who creates our local comic. Ryan shares with us today his willingness to go all in. He really does go all in on adventure and about creating a job which entertains himself and others. Since moving here to Jackson Hole, to start a business, which is off the normal path why people move here. Most people don't move to Jackson to say, I'm moving to Jackson to start a business, but Ryan did. But with his business, Ryan has helped bring humor to all of the elements which contributes to daily life right here in Jackson Hole. Today, Ryan dives into what it takes to create a regular comic. And with a little creativity and willingness, he shares with us how he has accomplished something new and interesting and how we can all do that as well. So please enjoy listening to Ryan Stolp. I know I did. Ryan, welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for taking some time to join me here today. Yeah, it's like to be here. Now you are in your home, kitchen, office, creative studio as we're having this conversation, uh, a lot going on back there. Officially known as Room House. It's a studio and it's a room and a house. All right. It suits every need and it's easy to clean. And I 
don't lose things because it's just in the room somewhere. Is that smaller than a tiny house? We'd probably qualify. House. I think it's like 220 by 20. Okay. Maybe. It's a functional, flexible space. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky to have a house in Jackson. So Ryan, how long, you, how long have you been living here in Jackson? I used to say I'm a fifth year senior, but now I think I'm in well into six years. So I'm re- refusing to graduate and get ejected. Um, yeah, since 2015, I guess. And what brought you out here? And where, where did you come from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, um, I grew up my whole uh, kind of childhood in Durham, North Carolina, uh, right in the middle, um, halfway to the ocean, halfway to the mountains, really vibrant town that I think grew a lot like Jackson. It's a bigger city, but um, has dealt with a lot of the same issues. And then I went to school in New England, worked there after college and a variety of very different jobs. Um, I worked for the Department of Transportation and I was a dog sled guide. And then I was a wilderness ranger in Western North Carolina. And I was looking to move to a mountain town. And I had a friend I was freelancing, doing some design work for, and he lived in Jackson. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, you should come out, start a company. And Jackson checked 80% of my boxes. So I packed up my tiny car and I have way more gear now. It wouldn't all fit in a tiny car now. <laughs> Get a rocket box. Yeah. No, I had stuff on the top too. I think I had like a hull sled, too many bikes. And sewing machines in the back, all the toys. Not many guys I know nowadays travel around with sewing machines. Yeah, I'm. A, I used to be a really avid sewer. Actually, I had um, a Kickstarter funded company in 2012. We made um, the Alpine hammock. It's like a bivy sack that you could also hang. And Gore-Tex. Uh, we produced it in America. I produced some overseas, but uh, that really turned me on. And I was a through hiker. And wilderness ranger and i kind of got really into just sewing all my own ultralight stuff from tarps and jackets to sleeping bags and tents and had a couple backpacks a couple of them did the at i couldn't tell you the names of many stitches like if i was hemming a dress but i can you know it's more like industrial sewing bartax serger stuff good with the lightweight fabrics i wouldn't know what a one stitch versus another one is yeah it's a good, it's a good currency to trade in Jackson. I get a lot of like, Hey, can you fix this thing? And I'm like, sure, let's trade and just bang out a bunch at once. You make me food for the week. And yes, I, I, don't I traded food. sewing machine stuff for Thai food last week. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. And where were you a dog sled guide? Uh, I was a dog sled guide in uh, Vermont, Southern Vermont. So near Stratton and Mount Snow, I actually was not a skier at the time. Everyone's like, oh, did you ski those places? I'm like, no, nope, not really. For this family business, uh, Husky Works Mushing Company. And uh, it was an awesome job. Let's, let's just start at the beginning. I was doing this hammock company with a friend and he had dog sledded the year before. And he's like, oh, right. You should just get a job up there. They'll teach you how to do it. And then we'll like both kind of be near each other and you can like focus on working on all this hammock stuff. And I was like, oh, sick. So found this family, the guy grew up ski racing and he got really bored with ski racing. So he was like, oh, got into dog sledding. As like at first he had a couple of dogs and then he had 50 dogs and they would do day tours and he cut his own trails on um, the mountains up there that were like straight roller coaster trails. He's like, yeah, Ryan, uh, everything you think you know about dog sledding, he's like, it doesn't work here. You have to really hustle the sled around or you'll crash into a tree. And he's like sketching and heel towing the brakes, uh, but super fun best co-workers I'll ever have. Always happy to see me. It's less glamorous than it sounds. It's a lot of poop scooping and trail maintenance. 
but he told me, he's like, Ryan, this is the best job you'll ever have. I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I spend 200 a month, but I make 100 bucks, but it it truly was an awesome time. Just kind of fun to play in the woods and hang out with dogs. Nice. So now after leaving North Carolina and New England, you've been living here since 2015. And what's the other 20% of the boxes that Jackson didn't mark off? Beach? (laughs) I can do without the beach. Um, Honestly, rock climbing, like there's great access to alpine climbing, but just after work cragging, I struggle. Uh, Not that I've ever really lived in a place that had just like super easy kind of like boulder style access but um, I was a rock climber before I was a skier and that was something that I I feel like every time I move somewhere the gym closes like I used to live when I first landed in Jackson above the liquor uh, liquor down south above the Uh herd and the climbing gym was where Teton Toyota was and I got there and the month that I moved here they closed it and every day I had to see them pull out the exoskeleton of the climbing wall and disassemble it in the parking lot. And I was, I was bummed because I finally lived literally across the street. And so I've uh, mostly just declined as a climber. since. (laughs) The bowling wall is awesome. Mad props to um, Teton Climbers Coalition and everybody who kind of keeps that alive and keeps that uh, community super vibrant and growing on Tuesdays, but uh, bouldering only gets you so high, you know? That is true. That is true. And since you've been here, you have started another business. Yeah. Yeah. So moved out to start Origin Media. We're digital creative agency. So do branding websites, strategy, graphic design. That's that's grown. It's been a fun adventure. Learned a lot. Co-founded it with Scott Page and Zach Montes. Uh, we do photo video as well, a really strong department there. And um, yeah, it's been great. I think Jackson has a, a unusually entrepreneurial and small business-based community. And it's been great growing with those partners, growing with all our nonprofit partners. I think there's a lot of opportunity and needs. And I do think it takes kind of a local's perspective to understand the nuance of growing a business in Jackson, because I think it's uh, really different if if a company was working with a larger agency. I think some of the rules of thumb and standard solutions wouldn't apply. People kind of see through through that here. And Tell me what origin media, when you say digital media company, that's yeah, we do crypto and stuff. No. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, we build websites, we do paid advertising, like on Google or social media. We can do a lot of tracking and analytics with e commerce or uh, fundraising campaigns. I use a computer at work. That's what it means. No. <laughs> you don't just use it for writing a word document netflixing and yeah but you also do something else with origin media that we see quite regularly in the- oh the comic yes the uh, lift lines that whenever i ride a chairlift people are like oh what do you do in town that's so cool i'm like oh i do i run this agency but you'll know me for the comic and then they're just like oh you're ryan stolp <laughs> so that's been kind of fun and cool how many followers do you guys have now um Instagram, uh, I, it's funny. You can kind of watch the algorithm at play. Like when you hit these certain benchmarks, they just throw followers at you. Um, but it also kind of gets a little more um, lopsided. Like I've noticed my followers have become more of a single type of person, 
rather than the spread maybe that I had before. But um, yeah, probably 11,000 or so plus everyone in the paper. I think the paper has a distribution of 30 or 40,000 people in the area. It's, it's honestly, it started as an ad for Origin. We were like, oh, let's run an ad in the paper. And I was like, well, people hate reading ads, but they love comics. <laughs> and maybe if we do a comic that just shows people that we know what's going on in town, they'll realize that like we get what's going on. And so I was like, okay, well, I just have like three jokes I have to get on my chest. They've just kind of been bouncing around in my head and, and then we'll be good. And that was four years ago. And I've done three a week since then. Sometimes they're hard to do right around deadline, but they're kind of endless. Jackson is a silly place. And I think kind of coming from the outside, looking into uh, not growing up a skier or in a ski town, but being familiar with dirt bag, like through hiker life and climbing bums. And um, it just, it, it's, uh, it stands out to me living here and just observing it. And had you ever drawn a comic strip before or comic piece? Uh, yeah, I had a comic strip in college for three years. Actually, I actually won a college cartoonist of the year. I, I don't know how many people applied to that contest, but it was a strip format. Uh -huh. uh, and it was like once a month or something, doing a single panel three times a week as a different approach. I'd say I focus more on like, I struggled with how I should draw it. And I really focus on let's just like quick and dirty and get the joke out if it's going to be this frequent. <laughs> but it's been a style that suits me. And uh, I've always kind of been an illustrator and cartoonist. So it, it plays to a strength there. Still working on writing jokes, though. <laughs> and so I'm curious to know, how do you keep up with what you want to draw about and write about? Yeah, well, if if it's like 30 minutes to deadline, it'll probably be a weather joke because those are easy and infinite. Um, I think that the sweet spot for lift lines, and I've had some conversations with some like national cartoonists. I think the sweet spot is really leveraging the audience because they kind of have a shared experience and it's, it's maybe it's more than Jackson now, but it's definitely the mountain town adventure sport lifestyle uh, because you can kind of, you can build off of a shared understanding and get a little deeper with a joke. And I think the, the really cool sweet spot, the ones that I really enjoy making are the ones that maybe uh, look at a national issue or uh, kind of a controversial issue through the unique lens of a mountain town resident you know you can read the editorials and the new yorker and read comics that take on a political angle but i um the ones that spin it from a jackson hole perspective or something i think are interesting and it's kind of a unique opportunity that i have narrowing in on that audience and with you writing something and putting it out in public because you're drawing and writing correct and i'm sure being out in the community you've heard well, I really don't get the joke. Yeah, I get that from my mom a lot, but she doesn't live here. So that's like a good, that's a positive. <laughs> You're not going to win them all. I think when I kind of let go of that, mm -hmm. that helped. I think Instagram is really interesting too, because a lot of cartoonists, you know, if you're in print or something, you kind of put it out and you move on. Uh, but Instagram can have a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a chance to kind of explain myself or give a context if it's, uh, certainly if it's misinterpreted which has happened um, definitely a bit, but uh, yeah, putting it out in the world is interesting. I think I, it's good that people don't know what I look like. <laughs> they might figure it out when I like pay my bill or something if I use a credit card, but it, it's tough 
I think more and more to like, you know, you have a body of work with your opinions and I think it should be opinionated. Otherwise, like, otherwise you're Garfield, you're making lasagna and Monday jokes and that kills me a little bit. So if I ever do that, just tell me to quit and move on. But um, it is interesting. I think I've had to develop a little thicker skin and I've had to really think thoughtfully about the message that I'm putting out there and say for the most part on those more difficult ones, the goal of the comic is to maybe recognize something as like, a little more gray than black and white. I think that is the nuance that we lose in the world of public discourse these days. And I think a comic is a great way to do it because it doesn't require you to sit through a thousand word essay. You can kind of glance at it and get a pretty deep or broad understanding of a situation pretty quickly. Mm. So I think it is a cool medium for kind of encouraging uh, maybe a more nuanced discourse or or understanding an issue from two sides. Because a joke is really, it's a setup and then a punchline that you didn't expect. That's two sides. So I like it for that. I'm losing a word here, but on the editorial page of the paper every day, Mm -hmm. there's an image. Is that a, would you consider that a comic or what's that called? Oh, the, between the opinion. Like in the op-ed ones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, if what I'm thinking was like an editorial cartoon, yeah. I think like more like a political cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think lift lines is sometimes that and a lot of times not. And how does lift lines differentiate itself from something like that versus, like you said that it's that sometimes, but sometimes not. Yeah. I can't be, for me, I can't be heavy all the time. And I love, I love dad puns and stuff like I don't, there's a couple that come to mind. I actually think this was one from uh, Garrett, my coworker, had suggested this one, and it was a uh, it was a snowcat driver driving uphill and saying, "Back in my day, we never had corduroy." And it's this guy skiing away. He says, "Okay, groomer," and it was like a "Okay, boomer" joke. And like, uh-huh. yeah, that's maybe a little bit political, but it's not. It's still kind of light. But then, like, I had another one that was uh, it was two people on a ski track on a cat track, and there's like one person lagging behind, and they're like. Oh, oh, he can't keep up. He's an anti-waxer or like yeah. he's slowing it down for all of us. And, and that one, I think, addresses a much larger conversation. So well, I like both of them. I, yeah. And do you have an, a desire to have your comic picked up syndicated? I've certainly thought about it. Uh, and would I mean, it change what you do at all if you did? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, I think probably a third of the comics, at least maybe half, would be applicable to anywhere. You could Mm -hmm. take out the word Jackson. I think that it would be relatable to people in mountain towns. It is interesting though, as my online audience has grown, I'm running into like some pitfalls and mine landmines kind of with just like having a broader region that maybe doesn't get the micro context of like a town exactly like Jackson. Or um, I did a a comic that was about a avalanche uh, which I do as kind of a, I think there's some humor to be had with just snow conditions. And that's a, a life that we all interact with as skiers. Um, and I, I try to include it as an awareness thing. Hey, let's not forget that this is a complex two-sided issue. But there was an avalanche death in Colorado and it ran and people thought I was being really insensitive. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't keep up with all of the local news across the mountain West. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think with but I would hope that if it was syndicated, if it, if it could reach a larger audience, I think that would be a positive. But I would hope that that audience would be um, of the type that would understand the context that I think is required 
to uh, at least appreciate the joke as I intended it to be appreciated. Sure. Being from the South, have you done anything with um, people drinking out of styrofoam cups all the time? That is such a thing though. Yeah. When I go back, I love cookout, love Bojangles fried chicken, but I cannot get over the amount of styrofoam that is getting thrown around down there. Yeah. Um, At the same time, there's like metal straw stuff. I think I wanted to do one of a turtle with like, like a turtle from Wilson complaining about like metal straws in their nose or something. Like, <laughs> there's two sides to that coin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, there are. I want to ask you about through hikes. Not everybody that's listening, of course, is living here in Jackson. Not everybody in Jackson knows what a through hike is. No, we don't have a proper trail through here. A little bit. The uh, not CDT. I- I've done a few through hikes. I guess it depends yeah. on where you want to go and sure. what you want to do. Why don't you explain what you call a through hike? Okay. It is the m- most stress-free time of your life because your only goal is to walk that way until you get tired and then you have everything you need to sleep. Um, I did it as a started the Appalachian Trail. I had had an internship in Boston and that was coming to an end. And my buddy who I did the hammocks and dock sliding with was like, oh, hey, I'm going to go through hike. Do you want to join? I was like, yeah. So uh, traditionally it's like through hiking a uh, long trail. So popular ones would be like the Appalachian trail, the continental divide trail, the um, uh, PCT, the Pacific crest trail in California. Uh, so I'll preface it with, I got to Virginia five weeks in, and then I got a job as a wilderness ranger. So I didn't finish the hike, but I did get paid to keep hiking and actually in North Carolina, which is really cool. So I got to know it really intimately, but I, I can speak to the fact that I think two and a half weeks of just hiking in one direction and that's all you do is like the flipping point for when your brain just shifts and you st- it kind of calms, you stop thinking about stuff, you've got your rhythm, you got all your gear exactly where you want it to be, you're not carrying anything extra. So I would qualify like coffee filters. Yeah, you don't need coffee filters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I would I would qualify like two and a half, three weeks. I don't care how far you hiked. If you've just kind of been focused on moving in the woods and being self-supporting, you, you could go to town. We'd resupply every three to five days. That's, that's kind of a through hike in my mind. Pro tip, bring a town shirt, a nice clean shirt, maybe a collar that you only wear in town so that you don't repel just anybody that might give you a ride or help you out. <laughs> you uh, start smelling a little bit. Oh, rank, dude. Yeah. I have like rotted through clothes for sure. Ooh. And then like the East Coast is, I think... Okay, the, the Pacific Crest Trail, haven't done it. I have a lot of friends that have. Um, that has like really a, a further distance between resupplies. You have to think about water a little bit more. You have to nail your seasons right. So this is like a five-month hike. And so you can like start too late and run into snow at the end as you go towards Canada. It goes basically Mexico to Canada. But on the East Coast, like you get, it's just humid and rains a lot. And it's like 100% humidity. Once you're wet, it just doesn't really dry. It's just, mm. you're just going to kind of be damp. Gore-Tex does not work on the East Coast. I think that's mm. one of my favorite things about living in Jackson is that things dry here. Mm. My towel, uh, if I step in a puddle, my shoes dry in 30 minutes. I love that. I can't get enough of how dry it is here. Yeah, I, I grew up in the South. It's went to camp and everything would come back molded. Yeah. Humidity is the South's altitude. Yes. There you go. And you said at about two-week point, that's when everything changes. Yeah. I've, I've never experienced that. So I'm, I'm I, I can't recommend it more. enough. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Everyone has, has like a monkey 
reptile brain that's going and you're stressing and you're thinking about town all the time, like just thinking about your old life. But like two two weeks of sleeping in a tent and having your routine and you know your meal planning, your own stuff, your your body has like if you start a hike, you know, the first couple of miles are like, man, that's kind of rough. But then like mile two to 10 can feel pretty chill. That's the kind of like you get over the hump of getting your body ready and just used to moving all day, every day. And um, you kind of dial, cool, that's how much food I need. Here's where I want all my stuff. And I just, your brain just, I don't know, it's a really Zen spot to be if you can afford to take the time off. Turn, you know, you're not using your phone hardly ever. I've, I've been super lucky to have that experience a couple times um, on some bigger like mountaineering expeditions overseas. And like, it seems to be two weeks is the like the magic spot where it flips. Hmm. Where did you go overseas? I was really lucky to be a recipient with my five college housemates of the American Alpine Club Live Your Dream grant. And uh, actually, I, I, Stefan, I named him, I named a mountain after you in Kyrgyzstan. You did? Yeah. Named it after you. Um, Thank it you. was this unclimbed peak on the kind of the China border. And we just, <laughs> we just, so we wanted to do a college reunion trip and we were, we we're all kind of climbers. We got into ice climbing in New England because the skiing's crap. So ice climbed a lot. And um, we Googled like, oh, let's do a reunion trip, like unclimbed peaks. <laughs> we can Google that. And uh, Alaska had some, but they're like expensive to get to because in America, there's a lot of permits and red tape. Uh, but we found one in Kyrgyzstan that <laughs> had been attempted a couple times, but like through logistics or weather, it just had not ever been climbed. And it happened to be the tallest in the area. It was kind of like the Grand in that it's like a thousand feet taller than anything around it. But all the mountains around it had been named after girlfriends and like wives and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're like six dudes in a you know, like a, a train going up this mountain. It was cool. It took us actually two attempts to get up it. But we're like, oh man, what should we name it? And we're like, oh, we should just name it after you. Like It's the pickup line that won't quit. And it's kind of funny because we we're in this line. I'm like, oh no, after you, like, <laughs> you could pass through this anchor. Um, so that was a super cool experience. Um, got dropped off and then three and a half weeks later got picked up. So like, you're just kind of there. So how do you get the name of a mountain peak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you register the first ascent, um, it's kind of, it's a somewhat informal process, but um, you publish your trip report. It gets kind of noted uh, we were in the American Alpine Journal in 2012, I guess. And so it's in the public record. It was previously peak 5318 uh, oh. on our Soviet map from like the 50s. And um, Putin allowed you to name something in his domain? This is in Kyrgyzstan. It might be Putin soon, but yeah, <laughs> right now they're sovereign. Um, Kyrgyzstan is actually like a, a beautiful country. One of the, uh, we, we kind of picked it. It was one of the more stable at the time. They had some Taliban activity in the Southwest, but um, really cool country. It's kind of a neat blend between um, a lot of Asian influence, which is where a lot of their economy is tied. And then this like uh, nomadic heritage of the high plains. So you think like Mongolia uh, with some Russian Soviet like infrastructure. So like we stayed at this hostel and it's centrally heated. So the whole town has central heat for the whole city. And that was just like an old Soviet thing. Like we provide heat. So it was, it was either hot or not hot. It was like, you couldn't really control it. It was just steam heat for the entire city. Or like we went to the, I think it's just kind of interesting considering the events of this weekend um, with Russia invading Ukraine, we went to the natural history museum and I actually had a in-country friend of a friend who was Kyrgyz, grew up there and kind of took us around for a day and 
got to kind of get a lot of context, which was different than like sitting at base camp for three weeks. Like I was kind of condensed my experience in Kyrgyzstan, but the Natural History Museum had this mural on the ceiling and it was kind of the history of, of their country. And it was a Soviet era mural in this big, brutal, brutalist building. And it's uh, six grim reapers carrying a nuclear bomb with the American president riding it. It was like straight out of um, Dr. Strangelove. And you can kind of see that that was the Soviet perspective that the Americans were these aggressors and they were just going to nuke the world, which is the American perspective during the Cold War. Mm -hmm. um, I think I can't recommend going to like a very different country enough and trying to, I don't know, poke your head around and see what the actual like cultural perspective is like. Could you tell what president was? Um, it looked like a Nixon. Okay. That would have probably checked out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And there's other parts of that mural too, you know, like you see this, like a lot of horse and nomadic and, and family tribal culture mixed with, Soviet communist were all one. Um, but it was a, it, living in that middle world, I think, is really fascinating. Yeah, for, for them as a country, that's that's totally cool. Ryan, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to be right back. Great. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycle Coach app. Brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You can access the Recycle Coach app from your desktop computer, mobile device, or through digital assistance. I think I have three of those now. The platform makes it easy for you to get local disposal information for thousands of household items and takes the guesswork out of recycling. Visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle for access. You can become a better recycler today by downloading the Recycle Coach app for free. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Brian, welcome back. Enjoying this conversation, learning how to name a mountain peak. You just have to commute far enough. Yes. <laughs> and congratulations on, so you said that you and some friends were the recipient of the Dreamers Club. Oh, so it's American Alpine Club does a dream. It's called Live Your Dream Grant. They, oh, okay. They'll give it to anyone, really. You just have to submit, um, submit a trip idea. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I think that that organization too, in the last 10 years, it's kind of tracked with my experience as a climber and mountaineer. And I think they're like so on it and there's so many opportunities for anybody trying to get into the sport of climbing or alpinism, be a member. You, it actually comes with a tons of perks. I don't work for them, but I, I'm a huge fan of them. You get like free helicopter insurance. Uh, you can use their library. We like ordered all these maps and stuff and they sent them to us that like only they have kind of, huh. we piece that trip together from like early Google earth and then old Soviet maps that we got from the American Alpine club. That's cool. And then like, once we bought our flight there, it was super cheap. We bought food, 
and a helicopter dropped us off and that was it. I spent so little money, which is great. That's a way more fun way to travel. And to apply for that, do you have to be a certain age or is it open for oh, anybody? I think anyone. You have to be a member. Um, they okay. do it every year. Uh, there's probably some more grants now too. I think they've really grown as a club since 2012, but yeah, they do regional meetups. I think there's one in Utah they do every year. Um, I went to one in West Virginia a long time back. Uh-huh. It's a cool community. And, and they run the Climbers Ranch too, don't they? They do. That's one of the yeah. historic sites. Yep, exactly. Right. Okay. Um, which if you're visiting Jackson, I think is one of the cheapest places you could stay. And you're yeah. literally at the base of the Grand. I don't think anyone can sleep in a building closer. Yeah, they're just a cool club. Yeah. But really changed my relationship to the mountains. Kind of gave me a lot of confidence putting that trip together. Um, kind of putting together, you know, smaller trips, like long weekend ice climbing trips in Maine and through hiking and, you know, meal planning. And then my love of like travel in weird places. So have you done any ice climbing out here? Um, I have. I had, uh, went to Teton Canyon a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't ice climbed in years. It, it really is a type two sport. <laughs> Weak and cold and like scared again. Cody has really cool ice climbing. That's like, you can just climb endlessly there. I think they have the, some of the longest, uh, continuous ice climbs in the lower 48. So like cold and wet. And Cody. Yeah. If you get a chance to go to Cody, it's a great, like well-known destination for ice climbing. Okay. I think for me at ice climbing, it's more of like a tool in the toolkit to help me do other things that are less ice climbing centric. It doesn't, the Tetons don't get wet enough, so they don't get like huge flows. Right. Hmm. I I, I want to ask about the equipment that's to your left. My left. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen so many projectors in oh, I should, in a yeah. room house before. Room house, exactly. You should see me testing it. It looks. I'm sure I'm like creating a scene from the road outside. So a couple years ago, before the pandemic, my buddy Joe Rudd, he's a music teacher at the um, Teton Music School. Um, kind of had this concept to get really weird with like a DJ night. And it started with funk music and he's like, Oh, right. Like, so I do, I do all my lift lines now, excuse me, on an iPad. So I used to sketch it on pen and ink on paper, throw it in the computer, color it behind the lines in Photoshop. But the iPad, what's really interesting about the, I use a software called procreate. It's a really low cost, very high quality software. If anybody wants to doodle on an iPad, can't recommend procreate. Procreate. It's 10 bucks. And it's like, yeah, it's funny. It's uh, definitely Photoshop level and you can, it's interoperable, but really cool software, but you can turn your layers into like a flipbook style animation and you can adjust the speeds. So what we were doing at Funk Night before the pandemic was uh, he would play saxophone and keyboard and rip funk music. And then I would live draw little doodly animations to the music of like people disco dancing or like trippy stuff. Or if it was like a love song, maybe something a little hot and steamy. And I would plug into like four or five of the TVs there. But we've recently, so we're at Eleanor's now on Thursdays and they've been awesome. Cause they're like, yeah, dude, run with it. Let's make this thing super weird and cool. So recently I got three projectors and a fog machine and lasers. And so now I can send two iPads. It's almost like turntable animations to all these projectors. And we project like behind us on the walls and the floor and the ceiling. And uh, it's just kind of like a weird, it's a funny thing because you can doodle people in the audience. They don't realize, they think it's, I'm just hitting play. And then usually like halfway through, they're like, they'll come over and they're like, wait, you're drawing these like in real time. I'm like, oh yeah, here, let's make you dance. 
And so that's been like really fun for people. I think it's pretty unique and uh, the projectors are a huge upgrade. I'm pretty psyched to um, learn how to use them better and better. So you're there with Joe. Yeah. And, and Joe has a key car now too. So he's like really disco eighties, weird R and B ness. And then a guitar, like a keyboard guitar. You can like wah wah and slide on it. Okay. And then he, he runs it through a microphone and makes his like robot sexy voice for mm-hmm. some R and B songs. But it's a pretty, it's kind of a hoot. So it's kind of like a light show. Like if you like go into like red rocks and seeing just a crazy light show, it's like that, but with doodles. That's rather awesome, than man. Like now, do you guys record these at all? Or do it live? Uh, so we did actually stream it. So at, so at Moe's was like, we had finally arrived. I think it was like the first weekend of March and we hit fire marshal's warning. Like, like they were like, nope, that's the maximum number of people that could come in here. And Joe and I were like, oh my God, we made a night. Like this is funk night at Moe's. And then the next week pandemic was like lockdown. And we we're like, no. <laughs> so uh, we streamed it on Twitch a little bit. It's come a long way. I think we're going to try to start streaming it again. Uh, this Thursday will be the first time we've kind of thrown some new tech into the mix in a while. Um, but my goal is I have this uh, 360 degree camera and I'm trying to get it to sync up so that I can stream it on um, Instagram and you could actually like look around the room. So you could like turn in your virtual reality and like watch Joe play or watch me draw or look at the visualizer. I think that would be the cool way to do it. Um, the person more... would need virtual reality glasses. No, or... um, actually the iPhone will pick it right up. Um, as a space. So as you stream, you can, or you can like move your thumb around. So you can look in 360 degrees around the room. And if I just kind of set that up in front of us, yeah, we're all about getting weird and pushing the tech. My computer hates me. It's like usually smoking by the end of the night because I'm uh, running a lot of different stuff through it, as is Joe. All here in Jackson. Who knew? Yeah, I think it's a super cutting edge weirdness. Uh, my goal would be to someday like figure out a way that I could kind of like print a file like i'm thinking nft world but even just as a file of like the last four minutes so that like if i drew someone they could be like oh man that's sick that's so cool you drew me dancing and disco whatever and then i could say cool like do you want to buy it do you want to keep it and i could just say like mint or print and then it would just like grab the last four minutes and i could just deliver them their own custom one-off animation from that live performance like it would never be the same again or like a way to like print out like souvenirs for people like image show i don't know that'd be sweet yeah tech has gotten so like the ecosystems are so smooth now you know the software that i'm using like procreate is not meant to really do what i'm doing and i use another software obs for managing different streams that one crashes when i switch between too much stuff but like it's getting there and i think i don't know it's just kind of fun there's no rules and it's actually if you come to a show i'll survey you on the way out the door because i'm really curious what people are psyched on is it the is it the like seeing a quick animation come together is it like seeing a deeper picture is it something that just has like cool colors and movement um but yeah we're working on kind of a more formal set doing some private parties some weddings but yeah it's super fun that's like scratches my creative itch on thursday nights that's awesome man i love it thanks yeah i'm trying to process like here's the information <laughs> you just like, gave me um you know how, so, like keep like keep like guitar people have like pedal boards this is a uh-huh. board i'm showing Stephen a board of like a whole bunch of hdmi splitters that are all oh, wired together so i can like send stuff between like different ipads so i can toggle so i can like queue up an animation i did last week and get that looping and then i can like 
green screen my other iPad on top of a video through the computer and then send that to like a central screen versus like accessory screens. And you do that at what time at Eleanor's on Thursday? Uh, like 8.30 or 9 until people leave. Midnight? Uh-huh. My eight-year-old loves technology. You can talk to Joe because Joe's oh, a yeah. piano teacher. He would go nuts. Dude, I'll try to, I'll send him, I'll get Joe to show him a video because, um, yeah, it's cool. Joe's actually, he, funny story about Joe. He was the uh, Apple genius um, in Santa Monica, like LA, for like eight years. Mm-hmm. And he has a hilarious roster of famous people in his phone who like needed help setting up their iCloud or like setting up a, a recording studio, like these Grammy winners who just like don't know how computers work. And so he's always like on that cutting edge of how can I make these systems work really smoothly? So I think as an act between the two of us, it's been really fun and That's kind so of cool. pretty unique teamwork, team effort. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So Let's go back to your your comics, uh, Lift Lines, yeah. if that's okay. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> so you've compiled them, haven't you, in, in some fashion? Um, in the past, I have compiled them. And I have plans to compile them again. At the end of the year, I will pass a 1,000 comics, which is nice. crazy to me. So I thought a 1,000 is a good round number, and it take a little bit of time. In the past, I had done like a... It was like a Garfield-sized book, but it had like a one-sentence, here's the background of this comic joke. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, like my roommate, I don't know, maybe got like plowed in and this is funny. So that would be cool. But I I did just release a book, but it is not of lift lines, actually. It's called The Ski Town Fairy Tale, A Quest to Live the Dream. And it's um, it's kind of a dark comedy fairy tale quest of trying to make it work in a place like Jackson. So um, there's, I don't want to give away too much, but you know, the struggles of, you know, getting a sustainable employment and finding housing and living with 12 roommates and just like, you know, moving here to try to ski. And there's kind of an undertone too, which I am pretty aware of using Instagram for lift lines of um, just like the, the digital personas that we all put out in the world of like everyone who lives in a ski town, it just looks like they ski powder all day long and they operate all the time. And I do not think that is the true reality. I think anybody who lives here would say that. And so kind of just checking people's perceptions of like kind of how the sausage gets made in a ski town. So um, so that's like a, a side quest from Lift Lines. It's a different style, but a lot of the same uh, contextualized humor and jokes and topics. And do you have a, a date to release that? It is actually released. You could oh. get a copy at JH Book Trader, or I have some online. Um, RyanStolp.com can buy a copy, but yeah, it's cool. It's like, it's a book, it's in print. It was a COVID project uh, okay. with, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Sam Morse. Um, he's my co-author. Uh, we worked on it a lot together. He used to write the Bumian in town with TGR. I think it was like a precursor before Lift Lines, a kind of a ski town satirical essay. Um, and he reached out to me on Instagram. He lives in Salt Lake now. And I actually just met him for the first time like two weeks ago, which is hilarious. But yeah, it went through a whole arc of revisions. I think some versions were really dark and angry mm-hmm. and some were not children safe. I'd say it's kind of like a Shrek where a mm. kid might enjoy the colors in the pictures, but adults will definitely appreciate some of the deeper plot lines now have you or did you speak to some old school 
ski bumps, maybe some folks that were out here in the late 60s, early 70s. Bennies and the Day of the Waves. And um, I, uh, I didn't specifically for the book. I think it was really a compilation of uh, just kind of, honestly, a lot of people in my cohort, people that have lived here for a couple of years and have seen the changes and really... And people just hustle and work really hard to be here. And they're super passionate about why they live here. I think they have a good clarity about their their worldview and their life values. But I think from you know a tourist perspective, like outside looking in, that a lot of that gets washed away and you just think, oh man, they're just living the dream always. So yeah, just I've tried to kind of put basically if you took lift lines and all of the maybe deeper content that that comic deals with. And you wanted to kind of package it up into a narrative that helps someone understand what it's like to live in a ski town. That's kind of the goal of the book. So right. it would resonate with anyone that's ever lived in a ski town or mountain town or van lifer, but it also might be approachable for like your uncle who knows that you lived there, but doesn't, you know, be quite immersed in it. Cool. That's awesome. Good man. Good work. You're, Thanks, you're man. stop, man. Oh, cartoons are quick and easy to draw. It's not like fine art painting or something. <laughs> Those are quick and easy too, depending on what you call. Yeah. You know. sure. yeah. yeah. No. Um, Especially the one that has the paint all just splattered over it. Yeah. I tried painting. I actually have been really enjoying um, right before COVID. I went to my first one and then I just went to one over the pass in Victor at the bar on the corner. I'm blanking on the name, but those wine and paints. Uh-huh. You guys should do one at TLS. It's so much fun. I feel like I tried to paint on my own and I just can't. I just don't. It doesn't compute for me. But getting to like be a little bit buzzed and have someone say like, okay, now we're painting dark blue in this place where they've kind of outlined it. I'm super into it. That tram in the back picture, that was the first one I did. I was like, I was like, oh man, I could get into painting. Like it's pretty fun, pretty relaxing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Big fan of wine and paint. Wine and paint. Yeah. I think there's a couple of people. Probably. Yeah. You could you could do a whole themed thing. Um, I think there's a couple people in the valley that put them on. Yeah, it's so yeah. I mean, honestly, I pay thirty bucks just to not have to clean up paints. Like they set it up, you show up, your palette's made, you do it. You don't really have to clean your brushes. I'm like that takes all the friction out of painting. It does. Cleaning brushes sucks. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> I think I do a good job, and then I'm like, now I have a chisel. It's just like oh, you buy cheap brushes. Totally yep. Yeah. Yep. Don't tell the sustainable listening audience that I one time use brushes, but uh, they use styrofoam plates as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. They mix styrofoam. nicely. The <laughs> south suck the moisture styrofoam. out of the paint. <laughs> we we got to have a Jesus verse on the cup too. That'd be good. Like cookout is all about that. I'm like, well, man, this is an operation here. <laughs> Would Jesus use styrofoam? I think it depends on what part of the country you live. <laughs> if, I mean, if 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 you're like in Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, yes, he did. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he turn, would um, wave his hand, turn styrofoam, make it disappear. That's right. I do think a late night fried chicken place would crush in Jackson. If anyone is listening, I want late night fried chicken with like waffle fries. And it can just be like a walk up, pick up, take out only. But I, there's a, you know, we have a deep bench of Thai food, a deep bench of burgers. We don't, we have a lot of Southerners and we don't have like just a fried chicken place. Mm-hmm. 
or po' boys. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my wish for the world. Yeah, Maybe debris, some... French fries with debris. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know what that is, but is that a New Orleans thing? It's a like New Orleans some... thing. Gravy and debris. Yes. They melt cheese on top, and it's heaven. Oh my god! Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, or just put it on tots. Yeah, with come to Eleanor's. Yeah, they have a pretty good tot pile. Nice. Hey Ryan, this has been a super conversation. Um, yeah. I I appreciate your your time out of um drawing a, a strip or two. Yeah. And um I'm glad that you procreate. Um <laughs> procreate no babies. That's my rule. <laughs> <laughs> and well, if people wanted to connect with you, what's a good way for them to do that? Um, if you can handle the Instagram, uh, if you send me a DM, I'll try to get back to you. Um, if you're more of a just internet person, uh, ryanstolp.com. I think there's a contact form there. Shoot me an email. Yeah. We'd love to hear from people. What's your it takes Instagram like it's hard. Channel. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Instagram is at liftlines underscore comics. Okay. It's got like a double black diamond icon in the thumbnail. Um, but yeah, honestly, the message for the world, it takes a village to come up with three comics a day. Um, I get a lot of user submissions. And even if they're like half-baked ideas, they're like, yo, I saw this thing in Wilson the other day, and it, it's probably kind of funny if you could massage it. So send me all your ideas. It makes my life easy and fun. And um, you can see your stuff in a comic. Nice. I didn't know that. It's yeah. great to know that you you take um, reader ideas. Yeah. But tell me if you'd like to be credited too. Cause sometimes people are like, yo, I saw this at work. It's really funny, but don't tell them that I told you this. Oh gosh. Yeah. Those are the fun ones too. So um, yeah. Send me stuff. I, I can't promise it'll always get in, but uh, it'll get added to the list. Cool. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Thanks. Kevin. Yeah. I appreciate yep. it. Bye. To learn more about Ryan and origin media, visit the Jackson connection.com episode number 180. And if you're looking to start a podcast, yourself, Michael Mori, who has done the editing and marketing for me since day one, can help you. Reach out to Michael to get your podcast started today. Also, thank you to my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, and everybody else who tunes in each week. I appreciate you sharing your time with me today. Cheers to next week when I see you right back here for another episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.